The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by the NBA Playoff Survivor Challenge. We're giving away $250 cash and a $100 gift card. Sign up today exclusively on the SGPN app. How do you go to Jen Reno's and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network episode 327. Going to go out to a new friend in the Discord, Rob Robs. Man, so nice to name him twice with an S at the end. He looks like he's going to be a real sicko like the rest of us because he asked if we like talk about regional MMA like LFA and cage wearers. Oh, yes, we do. We're we are sickos around these parts, so he will fit in uh, quite nicely. Uh, if you're not on the Discord yet, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. This is not a low-level MMA or regional MMA episode, though. No, we're talking about the big boys, UFC. They've got another event on ESPN this weekend, and we're going to break it down. Myself, Jeff Chalks Fox, one of the hosts here, who isn't too chalk. I'm going to uh, give you a little uh, spoiler. Oh. I'm not very I'm not very chalky this week, let me tell you. Um and the man making the weird noise who's never chalky is Daniel <laughs> Gumby Vreeland. Hello, sound effect man. Yeah, I'm not not usually chalky. Also, if he thinks LFA is low level MMA, oh, yeah, just wait until we're talking about Samurai Fight House and Murdoff Murdoff Professional League. Yeah, just or, or the one that just got canceled because no security. Oh, um, yeah, XMMA 6. Yeah, that's not even really that low level, though. So that's no, they, they usually they have pulled a, a low level move, though. Yeah, they usually have a wild assortment of like former UFC guys, but yeah. maybe that's why you know I, I I'm not here to to say that the organization was uh, was being shady or anything, but <laughs> they seem like they've got a lot of money on the books. Yeah, uh, every time they do a show, so it wouldn't totally surprise me if uh, they they suddenly found out they didn't have the ticket sales and needed like three more weeks to get them. Yeah, so this isn't the X MMA episode. Maybe oh, uh, they just postponed it, so they're doing it again. Yeah, it's supposed to be in the middle of May now, I believe. Well, well will we be fooled twice, Dan? Will we do another, an episode on it only to be fooled and have them cancel on us? I might just Maybe. copy and paste the last one if it's all the same matchups. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we'll just re- replay the episode. Fantastic. That, that's uh, that's what we're looking for. A cut and corners right here. All right. Well, um, we don't have low level this week. Uh, it's a pretty good. Uh, UFC card. Uh, I think last time I, I think I had six out of the eight were underdogs for me. Six out of eight of fourteen, I mean. And then I think I've changed. I think I switched the one, so I think I'm at five underdogs on the night, which is still a lot. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. That that's a real lot for you. It is. Um, I, I heard a, a smart person talking earlier saying on another podcast about some of his picks, and I I think I might have changed one of them because of that person. I'm not sure. Oh. I don't know why though. That person barely. Bat, uh, barely hits uh, 500 in, in this this year pick and fight game, so I don't know why. Well, I not in the pick him, and but... fight game, in the the UFC pick and fight. In oh, the, true. Yeah, in the regional true. pick and fight game, we're hitting home runs every. Single oh, you know this person I'm talking about, do you? Okay, I, I do. I do know who you might be talking about. All right. Um. Yeah. So, uh, did you have any? I had a, a tough time picking uh, winners on this card. How about yourself? There were. Let's see. One fight I had to go back and watch again. Uh, to make sure that I had to pick the way that I actually thought I wanted it. And then there were one, two, uh, I'm going to say three or four fights where yeah. I was like, 
do I really like that guy or not? Yeah. Uh, and then I had to like remind myself a few things about stats, a few things about tendencies. Uh, one guy I watched again, I'll just say it. I watched Daniel Zellhuber more yep. than I, more than a person should watch. Daniel <laughs> Zellhuber. He's a golden boy. Come on. Yeah. There's definitely nobody else who's ever gone by that nickname either. No. No, of course not. Yeah, I had to do additional research on a bunch of these fights just to make sure I was uh, happy with where I had originally landed. And in some cases, I wasn't. So, um, And who knows? I could flip as as we're talking, as we're doing the episode. So we probably should dive into it, though, because we were doing the prelims this episode, and it's eight fights. Uh, so it's a stack prelims. And then we got six on the main card. So they're all set for uh, at least a couple of fights to fall through, and they'll still have a, a full house. So. They'll probably tell us after the broadcast starts so that all of your DraftKings lineups lock. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's worse, isn't it? That's, uh, that <laughs> if I had Kyle Williams in my, my DraftKings lineup, I'd have been yeah. pretty buffed. Yeah. They, uh, aren't they sponsored by DraftKings, too? Yeah, I'm it sure seems like they should know this is. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure, I feel like they should know this. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, um, we're not uh, sponsored by DraftKings. We are sponsored by Shady Rays, though. Kick off the new year or kick off the summer. It's summertime feeling up here in canada kick it off with new gear built to last our friends at shady race have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades customizable snow goggles and much more shady race is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures that's not all shady race offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements that would mean if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you, per- you purchase. With Shady Rays, you look good and you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Here's what you need to do exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays. Is giving out their best deal of the year. Go to shadyrays.com. Use promo code SGPN for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. So that's like 400,000 eyeballs, more than likely. Probably a little less, unless some people have three, and then maybe there'll be a little bit more. All right, promo code shadyrays.com, promo code SGPN. And that's not all. We are also brought to you by the NBA Survivor Challenge an in-house contest we got going on here. Make sure to check out our NBA Playoffs Survivor Challenge. Completely free to enter, and the winner gets $250 cash out of Gumby's pocket and $100 SGPN gift card where you can buy all awesome merch for all our shows, including this one here, exclusively on the SGPN app. So definitely get into that. Okay, um, what are we talking about here? We're talking about UFC on ESPN Holloway versus Allen. Uh, it's taking place. Not from the UFC Apex, no, no, from the T-Mobile, Mobile, Mobile, Mobile Center. There's T-Mobile. Why can't I say mobile now, Dan? T-Mobile. <laughs> T-Mobile, that's better. T- There's T-Mobile centers and arenas. This one is in Kansas City, Missouri, T-Mobile Center. Do you remember the last time they were in Kansas City? The one and only time they were in Kansas City, Dan? I don't. You see them, Fox, April 2017. Oh, Does I love the UFC. All? UFC on Foxes were good. Is that who, uh who used to always headline UFC on Foxes? Uh, a lot of Jim Miller or Cowboy Cerrone. This one was for a belt. That that'll give it away. Oh, uh, uh, Mighty headline. Mouse. Yes, Mighty Mouse versus who? Uh, let's see, Ray Borg. Nope. Uh, Wilson Hayes. Oh, yeah, he's Cage Warriors fame. 
there you go. Uh, so that is uh, that was the last time they were there. And I said, what did I say that was? Uh, April of 2017. So they're back six years later. April 15th, my wife's birthday. This Saturday is going down. Uh, prelims, 4.30 Eastern ESPN. That's all we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to start with women's bantamweight fight. Jocelyn Edwards versus Lucy Pudilova. We will tell you about Edwards first. La Pantera, 12 and 4, five knockouts, three submissions. She's been submitted one time. Three and two in the UFC. She's won two straight. She did miss weight her last fight. Something uh, to keep note of. Um, and she's and she still won. She, she beat the odds. Uh, fighters that miss weight. I think it's that. Let's check. I got the stats right in front of me. What is it at? It is 38% is only uh, the success rate of four fighters who have missed weight over the past like three or four years. Whenever I've been keeping this, at least since the start of 2020, I've been keeping these stats. So it's quite substantial. All right. Um, she, she was one of those people that actually won. Uh, she used to fight at featherweight, used to fight at flyweight. Now she's right in the middle. Multiple regional championships on her mantle. Yes. Go get the shirt in the store. I just told you about sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. All right. Um, three inches of reach one year younger than Pudilova. striking stats and active striking stats are better than Pudilova's. Uh, she has outstruck her UFC opponents by almost two strikes a minute. Very impressive number. Plus 1.96 is her strike differential. And on the board, she's at plus 130. Pudulava, 14 to 7, three knockouts, two submissions. She's been submitted one time. Three and five in the UFC over two stints. She's won three straight fights, though. Last one via TKO. She used to fight at Flyweight, was a regional champion. Um, she also has a positive uh, striking differential in the UFC of plus 0.19. So far worse than Edwards, but it is in the positive. Her grappling stats are better than Edwards. She's at minus 135. And Gumby is going to go first. Uh, yeah, I'm all over Lucy Pudulova here. Uh, I-, I think Lucy Pudulova is. Uh, what? Do you have consent? Uh, hey, you're married, for God's yeah, sakes. Look, look, look what he did there. No, no I the, didn't do anything. You said it. Go ahead. <laughs> now he's frustrated already. Lucy Pudilova's number is phenomenal. Uh, I, I, look, I liked Jocelyn Edwards a lot when she came in. If you remember her debut fight, um, when, when she beat Yanam Wu, I, I was like, man, this chick can fight. Like, she's got great takedowns. She, she bodies people up. And then it just could not be more clear that that's not actually what she is after the fact. And she kind of gets suckered into fighting fights that she's not particularly good at. She actually is the one getting bodied in most of her fights since then. Um, you know, the Carol Hosa fight, she she looked much weaker than Carol Hosa. Um, she looked much weaker than Jesse Rose Clark, who looked like she had a wrestling advantage, which is not something I typically say all that much of. And actually, if you go back to when she was fighting in LFA, Sarah Alper, who who didn't last too long in the UFC, also kind of like controlled her and out-wrestled her. And the thing about Lucy Pudilova is, first of all, Lucy Pudilova is insanely tough. Like her fight with uh, Lena Landsberg during her first run in the UFC was an absolute war. And I think she made a mistake by going Going down to flyweight, she was much better at bantamweight. She's much stronger, and so far since she's gone back up to bantamweight, she looked great in octagon. Like, like she was beating people up in octagon viciously. And what she did to Yanam Wu, which again, maybe maybe we need to stop counting wins against Yanam Wu, but what she did against Yanam Wu was just like absolutely brutalize her with like really solid top game. She's she's much more violent. She's the one who's going to be initiating the exchanges here. And I think if they mix it up in the grappling here, she's really going to control Edwards. So, you know, the fact that we're getting this at negative 135, I, I think that's a big spot here for Pudelova. Oh, we aren't getting anything at minus 135. Oh, you like Jocelyn Edwards here, huh? I didn't say I liked her. I didn't say I liked her. 
Oh, God. I'm not um, saying you're passing notes to her. And yeah, I'm not passing notes. Uh, I've taken her. Uh, I've updated the numbers. It's still minus 135 for you. It's plus 125 for Edwards now. I, I forgot I hadn't updated these for a couple of days. Um, better striker, way better striker from distance. Uh, has some reach. Um, grappling is going to be an issue possibly, uh, but I like her striking better and I like her power. So give me the dog money right out of the gate, Dan. I told you. I told you. Can, dog. I, can I ask you? Can I ask oh. you up front? Because I, I got to know this. Because this, this is really gonna gonna change the tenor of how we talk about things today. Uh, are are you are you off of wrestlers and people with wrestling advantages on this card? No. Okay. No, I, 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 you're no, on I'm, wrestlers. I'm not, no, I I'm I'm on some wrestlers coming. Okay. Up, so yeah. Okay. Because I was gonna yep. say if you're if you're on all the strikers and you got a bunch of dogs, we just might not pick a single fight. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. All right, we are diff- disagreeing here. Let's, let's see uh, what we do. We're going to stick with Ban on the next fight. Stick with Bantamweights. Go to the male side. Aaron Phillips, Gaston Bolanos. Bolanos, is that how you say it? Bolanos. Oh, Bolanos, who is, he was catching some shrapnel in, in the discard, right? People were upset that he he's in the UFC for some reason. Yes, but... they, they were. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's tell you about Phillips first. 12 and 4, six knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. 0-3 in the UFC, over two stints, so he's still looking for his first Owen, win. Owen. Is it 0-3 or 0-4? Oh, and I had three. It could be four. Let me check. Jack no, Shore, Goody. Oh, no. no. Oh, the Gutierrez fight wasn't in the UFC. My bad. Okay. Now but he did lose I... to Chris Gutierrez. Okay, which is the UFC. Cal- yeah, 0-3 in the UFC. is true. Yep. All right. Um, Five and one over his last six. So that's a lot better. He did lose his last fight via submission. That was way back July of 2020. Uh, injuries with this guy? Yeah, a lot of yeah. injuries. Uh, used to fight at flyweight, featherweight, excuse me, upper, upper weight class. Uh, 2011 pro MMA debut. Two inches taller than Bla, Blachnos. Plus 162. The dream killer, Gaston Balanos. Six and three with six knockouts. He's been submitted twice. And this is his UFC debut. All of his fights previously were in Bellator. This is one of those rare ones where you see a guy go straight from Bellator to the UFC. Um, usually, the, you, you see the Michael Chandlers of the world sometimes do that, but but not usually lower level guys. But here we go. Uh, this is his, like I said, his debut here. He's done one and two over his last three fights. He won his last fight via TKO. That was back in April 2022. So he's been off for a little bit as well. Uh, like I said, he was in Belcher the whole time. He used to fight up at Featherweight. Three years younger than Phillips, minus 175. Give me Bolaños. Um, I'm going with the favorite. Uh, favorite here. Uh, better experience, obviously. Um, and he's got that power. He's finished all of his all of his wins. So Phillips hasn't shown that he can hang at this level as as of now. So give me the uh, favorite in this fight. So I, I'm going to give you that that he definitely has the more power. I, I won't doubt that. I am going to quickly debate you on the on the <laughs> better <Bellator. laughs> on the better experience. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because because right now, apart from it, fighting Solo Hatley Jr. is a legit fight, right? Like Solo Hatley Jr. But like. Two of his last three, three fights are against a guy by the name of Daniel Carey, who's seven and six. I know him. Two He's of, in Bellator. Two of his last three fights are against that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. He fought Yuzdiro Gutierrez, who's four and two. Rick Gutierrez, who's 0 and one. Um, he's, got a, he lost, he's got a thing with Gutierrez. Is... He, yeah, he's, he's anti-Gutierrez. Um, there's your episode title, anti-Gutierrez. Okay. Um, he fought Brendan Larocco, who was one and one in Bellator. Like, he, he's fought some pretty low-level dudes. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if you're going to give him the experience advantage, we're talking about a guy who's fought Jack Shore, Chris Gutierrez, Sam Cecilia. Like, those three alone are way better. And, and back on the regional scene, he fought John DeJesus, who's like a pretty big name in Cage Warriors right now. So, like, 
Aaron, are you taking Phillips? I am actually going to take Phillips here. And, and not just because, the layoffs. You're not concerned about the layoff. Three I'm years definitely almost. concerned about the layoff. Okay. I, I'm also concerned about his weight cut because I think that that's what canceled one of those uh, four fights he had canceled. He had Ooh. a lot. Jonathan Ooh. Martinez, Chris Motino, Cameron Ellis, Adrian Yanez. All those it, fights he pulled out of, right? Or were canceled? No, but. Motino and Els pulled out of their fights. Okay. So he pulled out of the Yanez and Martinez ones, but Motino and Els pulled out of theirs. So like, you know, those two fights, one of them seemed like it was a weight cut issue. So I am a little concerned about that. But I'll say this. If you look at Bolaños in those Bellator fights, he just like, he doesn't initiate any of the action. He waits for everything to come to him. Um, He's like a strike second kind of guy. He likes his counters. And yeah, he's got power in the counters. But, But Aaron Phillips, like, kind of brings the fight to people. Uh, if you go back to his fight at Cowboys versus Cajuns one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's I, fantastic. I, I watched it, which is... Of course you did. It's phenomenal. Um, he, he just, like, he's got a lot of good forward pressure, and he puts it on people. Could it get him caught here? Sure. But at the same time, at a plus 200 number, what, what, what was the actual number? Plus, uh, 162, not quite 200. So it's come down a little bit. If I had had it earlier, it would have been even better. Um, but like Aaron Phillips is worth that price. And I'll say this, if you're looking for a better way to bet this fight, just bet the other. Yeah, this fight's it's too low level for me to argue with you about uh, what fighter's going to win. So we'll just wait and see, okay? Okay, that so, sounds, sounds good. good. <laughs> Women's strawweight. Let's, let's move to that. Bruna Brazil, who was on the Top Tier Lime podcast this week with Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. Uh, that was not Kyle um, interpreting, right? That was, was there, but it was him was, interpreting. Yeah, that was Cabo oh, okay. Ohio interpreting. Yeah, <laughs> impressive work that dude did. Uh, you know, not just not just speaking English to me and and helping out, but like he was he kept up and he even followed up a question for me when he realized she didn't answer all of it. Yeah, he was amazing. Good. Did you interview him as well for a future episode? No, but but we have a tentative date. So good. Yeah. Very yeah. Good. Yes, he is a uh, we're a fan of his on this podcast and in the discard. He, he's, he's one of our adopted adopted sons. Right. And daughters. Yeah. And I think uh, I think we're about to get an adopted daughter here. Oh, OK. Bruna Brazil. Let's tell you about her. And she's fighting Denise Gomes. We'll tell you about Gomes first. D is the nickname. D.E.E. Six and two with four knockouts. Been knocked out once. Oh, in the UFC. One no on the contender series. One no in Evicta. Used to fight at flyweight is a pro grappler, six years younger than Brazil. She outstruck her UFC uh, opponent and contender series opponent by 0.64 strikes per minute. And she, she was at plus 150. The special one at Bruna Brazil, you can hear how she got that nickname if you listen to Gumby's interview. She's 8-2-1 with three knockouts, two submissions. She's been knocked out twice, so finished in both of her losses via knockout. This is her debut after going 1-0 on the contender series with a head kick knockout. It's part of a seven-fight winning streak. She's not lost since November 2017. She used to fight. She fought a fight at lightweight. Did you know that, Dan? 155 pounds, or I think she made 153 for the fight. That's incredible. It is. Is a pro boxer or was a pro boxer? Four inches taller than Gomes. Two inches of reach on her. Striking and grappling stats are better than hers. So that's based off one fight for Brazil. Uh, in that fight, she outstruck her opponent by 2.2 strikes per minute. Most important one being that high kick. Uh, she's at minus 155. And I think we're both taking her by the sounds of things here. Yeah, I can't believe she's negative 155. Like, I, I don't know what the books are doing here. Maybe they're gun shy on newcomers because uh, we had a little bit of an issue last week with newcomers. But let me tell you something. Denise Gomes, like you said, she she she's a jiu-jitsu specialist with like some Muay Thai background, too. She's not bad at Muay Thai. But both of those things necessitate that you get inside on a fighter, right? Like it, they necessitate that you get in close range. 
and she's got a massive reach disadvantage and is fighting somebody who hits incredibly hard if you make a mistake on your entry. So, yeah, like, Bruno Brazil is going to wreck her. And in addition to that, I'm not even sure Denise Gomes gets a takedown if she winds up in the clinch because you go back to her fight with Loma Lugbume. Loma Lugbume is an atom weight, and Loma Lugbume threw around Denise Gomes. Like, I, I think she had, like, four or five takedowns in that fight. So, yeah, Bruno Brazil is just going to brutalize her. Negative 155 is uh, is one of the most ridiculous prices I've seen out there. Yeah, we're both taking Brutalizer Bruno Brazil. Um, she's really the special one, but I, I named her Brutalizer now. Yeah, we're both taking her. We are on the same. That's the first fight we agreed on so far. There you go. It took three fights, but we're on the same page. All right. One thing we do agree on is Underdog Fantasy because they sponsor us. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a great place to get down on fantasy and player props all year long. Underdog Fantasy has your favorite NBA, NHL, and MLB deli games, plus they're already doing best ball drafts for the 2023 NFL season. Head over to underlogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. That's underlogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Moving on to lightweights, male lightweights, Lando Venata versus Daniel Zellhuber, the aforementioned Mr. Zellhuber. We'll tell you about groovy Lando verse. 12-6-2, four knockouts, five submissions. He's been submitted twice, 4-6-2 in the UFC. He's got a win Loss, win, loss, win, loss over his past six fights. He did lose his last fight via submission. Used to fight at down at featherweight, up at welterweight, was regional champion. 2012 Pro MMA debut. He's barely been outstruck in the UFC, but he has been by minus 0.07 strikes per minute. He's at plus 105. Golden boy, Daniel Zellhuber, 12 and 1, seven knockouts, two submissions, never been finished in a fight. 0 and 1 in the UFC, 1 0 in the contender series. Used to fight at welterweight four inches of height six inches of reach seven years younger than venata more active striker he's one of those weird guys that are at plus 0.0 strike differential so he's been hit as often as he's hit his opponents over his ufc and his uh, contender series fight as i lost my spot and he's at minus 125 i'm taking Zellhuber, bigger way younger um he's got the grappling um hopefully uh to, to keep uh <laughs> To keep Venata off him, but no, I'm taking. Uh, I don't think it was a grappling that I was picking him for. I, th- I believe it was the, the striking, but mostly it's because he's so much bigger and so much younger. And I think Gumby's going the other way because he seemed to be angry about watching Daniel Zellhuber video uh, earlier in this episode. So go ahead. How does a guy that big, because he's big, right? Yeah. How does he get outstruck by Trey Ogden? Uh, Trey Ogden's a dog, a beast. He's a, uh, he's a samurai yeah. ghost. He's a samurai no, ghost. That's but, right, he is. But let's, okay, so so this is my, my comparison point. Trey Ogden has fought three fights in the UFC. He has yeah. one win, and it was largely by outstriking Daniel Zellhuber. Yeah. And Daniel Zellhuber is built just like Ignacio Bahamundes, who then absolutely put it on Trey Ogden in an embarrassing way. Right. Like he just brutalized Trey Ogden. He made it look like he had never fought in the UFC. And on one hand, I'm like, okay, well, Ignacio Bahamande is a little bit better than Daniel Zellhuber. But also, do you know who else outstruck Trey Ogden? Jordan Levitt. Do you know who I don't think of as being like a polished striker? Jordan Levitt. So, like, we're talking about Daniel Zellhuber, a guy who's, you know, out there giving up takedowns to guys like Trey Ogden, but also largely getting outstruck by Trey Ogden. And he's going to be fighting somebody in Lando Venata, who I think has a pretty good takedown game, right? Like Lando Venata is like a, like a sleeper, good wrestler. He comes from a wrestling background and he's been using it more. He took down Mike Grundy. 
that helped him win that fight. He took down Charles Jordan, although he got subbed on the way to there. He took down Bobby Green. Like, this is a guy who's got, like, a pretty good takedown game. And I think people sleep on it. He drew with Matt Frivola because of his takedown game. I think he gets in on Zell Huber's legs, but even if he doesn't, I think he could win in the striking here. Boy, we are all over the place. We are not agreeing, but that's okay. What, what am I getting? What am I getting? Banana at again? Yeah, yeah, we're not even agreeing on our dogs. Uh, you are plus one ten, so it's almost okay. it's almost even here. All right. Uh, no, sorry, plus one hundred five. I'll give okay. it to you. Even worse. Um, all right. Next fight's got a plus one ten in it. Women's strawweight. Maybe we can get on the same page here. Jillian Robertson, the Canadian versus Pierre. Rodriguez, she's not a Rodriguez, right? No, we no, already she's, discussed. She's, this. she's a Rodriguez. She she's is a, La Fiera, though. Do you know what that is? The Force, the Beast. But yes, I think the uh, I think it also could translate to the Force. So, but no. Okay. Google said the Beast, and Google's Google's number wrong. She is nine and zero, oh, so she's the Force as well with five knockouts, two and zero in the UFC, one zero in the Contender Series. Was the LFA champion? Used to fight at flyweight. Uh, she's one point seven times more active landing strikes than Robertson, so. That's what you, all you need to know is she glanced more strikes. Uh, she's outstruck her UFC and contender series opponents by 0.89 strikes per minute. And she's a, she's the one at plus 110 for some reason. Julie Robert, the Savage Robertson, 11 and 7, one knockout, eight submissions. She's been knocked out once, submitted once. Eight and five in the UFC. She's got win loss win over her last three, both for wins via submission. She's won two of her last five. She also used to fight at lightweight. I didn't even know there was women's lightweight back in the day, but apparently there was. Um, that these women were fighting at. Uh, she has missed weight before. She's, oh, and I think she fought at strawweight. I think that's what I meant to put here, Dan. That makes more sense, does it not? Yes. She used to fight at strawweight, and she missed weight at strawweight. Uh, oh, one on the ultimate fighter is a pro grappler. Two inches height over Rodriguez, three years younger. She's been outstruck in the UFC by minus 0.65 strikes per minute, minus 110. Uh, uh, this one's me? Yeah. I got. I took Zellhuber, and you snickered at me. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I did. Uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you what you want. I'm gonna pick the Canadian. No, I'm not. Uh, get out of here! You're, no. you're fading your country. Yes. Oh my god, she's we not are good. This is a... is she's not. Good? Is Pierre Rodriguez? Pierre Rodriguez is gonna destroy her on the feet. Uh, I mean, yeah, but also Pierre Rodriguez got taken down multiple times by Kay Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. It is largely controlled by Kay Hansen. Kay Hansen had almost four minutes of top control time against Pierre Rodriguez. She could not get out from underneath Kay Hansen, who had a miserable UFC stint that included only one win, and she had to like get a come from behind armbar to win that fight. You're doing you know, a like, lot of MMA math today, you know. With this guy beat that guy, and this guy took that guy down. Well, this, this is this is not <laughs> this person beat. This person, because she, she she didn't beat Pierre Rodriguez, to be clear. Uh, but what she did do was she made Pierre Rodriguez grapple with her, which if she can do that, I think Jillian Roberts again. And really, I'm going to say this. I think Jillian Robertson doesn't need to be on the ground with her all that often because I don't think Pierre Rodriguez's jujitsu is really good. She's one of those people who, like, gives up a position to try to stand back up. And Jillian Robertson is one of the people who doesn't let you do that. Um, we've seen her do that in grappling competition. We've seen her do that in MMA. And yes, I think her gra- or her striking absolutely is terrible. Uh, I don't like it at all. Uh, but when you look at her fights with Priscilla Cachuera or Maria Agapova, two women who are supposed to outstrike the hell out of her, and both largely were, 
uh, both women gave up takedowns and got beat by rear naked choke. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Jillian Robertson here, and uh, I, I gotta pay <laughs> I gotta pay I gotta pay favorite money here. What was the number again? Yeah, it was minus one ten, I think. Okay, I'll yeah. take. Uh, I'll take Rodriguez in her 78% uh, takedown uh, de- defense to uh, to stuff enough that she can rock Robertson. Robertson looked really bad on the feet recently. I've, I'm off of her, so we shall see. Light heavyweights, maybe we'll agree here. Zach Cummings, who was on the Top Trail MMA podcast versus Ed Herman. Yes, both these men are both in the UFC still, technically. We'll tell you about Herman first. 26 and 15 with one no contest. Seven knockouts, 14 submissions. Been knocked out three times, submitted six times, 13 and 11 with one no contest in the UFC. Three and one over his last four. The one, the loss coming in his last fight, which was way back in August of 2021. He's fight at middleweight, two and all in the Ultimate Fighter, 0 and 1 in Strike Force, was regional champion, 2003 pro MMA debut. Yes, 2003. 20 years. Uh, he's got an inch of height, two inches reach on Cummings, more active landing strikes. He's been outstruck over his UFC career by 0.24 strikes per minute, so almost a wash there. He has better grappling stats than Cummings, plus 190. Zach Cummings, 24 and 7, five knockouts, 12 submissions, been submitted twice, nine and four in the UFC. He's won three of his last four, including his last fight. He has not fought since August of 2020, so he's been out almost along with the uh, back injury. Uh, used to fight at welterweight, used to fight at middleweight. Now he's all the way up at light heavyweight. Was a regional champ, one and one in the ultimate fighter, one and one in Bellator, 0 and one in Strike Force. 2007 pro MMA debut. He's four years younger than Herman. He's been outstruck by minus 0.25 strikes per minute. So almost exactly the same as Herman. These guys, uh, their resumes are very similar here. Minus 215. Uh, the number on the board is not similar. Um, give me count, Cummings. I'm um, counting on the grappling coming through. It, it's hard picking two old guys who have been on the shelf for so long, but uh, I'm taking Cummings. I'm not a fan of this minus 215 line, though. Yeah, you pretty much stole the words out of my mouth. We agree Good, in here. Uh, I, I really do hate this line. I, I like Zach Cummings. I, I think... There's going to be a wrestling advantage here. I think there's going to be a jujitsu advantage here. I, I think the way he pushes forward and also just like the way Ed Herman makes mistakes, right? Like Ed Herman is a guy who's, I, I mean, like his whole career is built around the fact that like he is not afraid to get hit, right? And he just goes in there and mixes it up and it, it, it's worked really well for him sometimes. And he like wears people out, but like Zach Cummins isn't a guy you wear out. Um, and like, I also just don't think he's going to like go out there and like finish Zach Cummins, like how he did Mike Rodriguez or Patrick Cummings, uh, who's a different one or Tim Bosch. Like those are the types of people he's out there finishing. And the people he's out here losing to are, you know, like CB Dalloway who had like a similar game and like Alonzo Minifield who used some of his wrestling. Like I, I really do think Zach Cummings can like mimic that and definitely deal with the pressure that Ed Herman brings. So yeah, give me a, uh, Give me Zach Cummins here, even though, again, maybe a line I'm not picking. Why is it such a big line? This is more like a pick em, uh line in my eyes. I, I think just because when you have a 42-year-old uh, light heavyweight, yeah. even if his opponent is a 38-year-old light heavyweight, he winds up with a shitty line. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Gumby. Put it into layman's terms for us. All right. Uh, we're going way down now to the flyways. Brandon Royval versus Matias Nicolau. Uh, we'll tell you about Royval first, the raw dog, D-A-W-G, of course. 14 to 6, three knockouts, nine submissions, one. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. Four and two in the UFC. He's won two straight. Uh, before that, he lost two straight. He won his last fight via submission, was the LFA champion, won no World Series of Fighting. He's fight at Bantamweight 2012 pro MMA debut. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.6 strikes per minute. Three inches taller, two inches of reach on Nicolau, plus 
plus 180 is the number on him. Nicolau, 19-2-1 with five knockouts, five submissions. Very well-rounded. He's been knocked out twice, so that is his Achilles heel. 7-1 and one in the UFC over two stints. He's won six straight and 12 of 13. Yes, that's correct. 12 of 13 has not lost since July of 2018. Uh, won his last fight via knockout. Used to fight at Bantamweight as well. 2-1 in the Ultimate Fighter. 2010 Pro MMA debut. Striking and active striking stats are better than Roy Ball's. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.64 strikes per minute. He's at minus 205. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'm going to go favorite here. And, and I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised. This, you like Roy Ball. I do. I love Roy Ball so much. But I will say this. I, I This run that Nikolai was on looks like what I thought he was when he was in the UFC the first time. Because when he was in the UFC the first time, he, he had that Japanese necktie on Bruno Correa. Um, and then he beat John Moraga by split decision. John Moraga, like a real underrated dude. Um, and he went three and one and got released uh, after losing kind of a funky fight to Dustin Ortiz. Since then, this is a guy with wins over Manel Cape, Tim Elliott, David Dvorak, Matt Schnell. And he's done it by being gritty, by having good jujitsu, by not making dumb mistakes uh, with big, heavy hands. And the thing about Roy Ball is that, like, his grappling is good. He's just not going to initiate any of it. Um, if, if this w- goes to the grappling realm and it hits the ground, it's going to be Roy Vall on his back. And it's probably going to be Roy Vall. And I know the Discord hates this. And we're going to talk about it right now. It's probably going to be Roy Vall jumping a guillotine. Um, it, and it's just jumping not going gillies. To, we, it, we hate jumping gillies. It's not going to be a fight that he wins if he's jumping guillotines. And you know, from the perspective of like most of his fights that he's won over high level opponents, like the one over Kaikara France, it was just like he tagged him with a great shot on the feet and then went to the submission. I don't know that he is going to tag somebody like Matthews Nicolau, who didn't get tagged by Manel Cape, who didn't get tagged by, you know, the ever durable Matt Schnell, who like, you know, didn't get tagged by John Moraga back in the day. Like, I, I just don't think. That's a winnable way for, for Brandon Royval. And, and I do think Matthew Nikolaou just has, I mean, he's just got too many things for him to deal with. Yeah, Nikolaou is the pick. He's he's looking real good. Um, recently, pretty solid everywhere, too. So I don't think, um, well, Royval is is kind of a wild card because he is, uh, you know, explosive and wild. But um, he is a raw dog. But uh, I think Nikolaou <laughs> is, is the pick here. Um, we agree on that. Let's go to the main event. Featherweights, Bill Agio versus TJ Brown. Uh, it's the main event of the prelims. We'll tell you about downtown TJ Brown first. 17 and 9, four knockouts, 10 submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted three times. Three and three in the UFC. However, he's won three of his last four, including his last fight, which he won via submission. He's missed weight twice, something to keep in mind. Uh, you may want to wait till weigh-ins before if you're gonna bet him. One no in the contender series, used to fight at lightweight. Everyone on this card used to fight at lightweight, uh, female and males. 2013 Pro MMA debut. One knows a pro boxer. He is outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.71 strikes per minute. He has better grappling stats than Algio. He's at plus 170. Senior Perfecto, whose nickname is a lie because he is 16 and 7. Four knockouts, six submissions. He's been submitted twice. So he's pretty durable. Three and three in the UFC, uh, just like Brown. Two and one over his last three. He, uh, the loss being his last fight. He went 0-1 in the Contender Series, was regional champion, his miss weight in the past. Also, one known World Series of Fighting, 2012 pro MMA debut. Three inches taller, one inch reach on Brown. He's 1.7 times more active landing strikes than Brown is in the UFC, plus 
Uh, he's outstruck his UFC opponents by a very impressive 1.54 strikes per minute, minus 185. I'm going dog. Uh, I think a smart man on the podcast with me is going dog as well. Uh, I'm taking the wrestler here. I think his the wrestling and the grappling is going to be too much for the so-called senior perfecto. So give me uh, and Brown's uh, his striking is is right base basically almost the same level as as Alagio's is. Um, not much of a deficit there. So and he's way way ahead of him in grappling and, and wrestling. So give me downtown TJ Brown at a very nice plus one seventy. Yeah, I love the price on this almost as much as I love the fighter because I will say this. I think TJ Brown gets a bad rap, dude. Like, in he definitely gets a bad rap because of his early UFC career where he lost that fight to Jordan Griffin. But I think people forget he was beating the hell out of Jordan Griffin in that fight. He had taken him down at will. He had been in the better positions. Um, and then he lost a fight to Danny Chavez largely just by, like, eating too many leg kicks and not checking him. But then he rattled off wins over Kai Kamaka, Charles Rosa, Eric Silva, and all of it using excellent wrestling. Uh, Out-wrestling Charles Rosa is something to be lauded. Like, like the only people who are really out-grappling Charles Rosa are him and Bryce Mitchell. And that's a good company to be in. And when you look back at, you know, Bill Algio's fights, like, the path to victory to beat him is easy. It's, it's wrestling. It's make him work, make him not throw his big punches because he did it with Ricardo Hamosh. Hamosh took him down eight times, easy. Ricardo Lamas took him down five times. Ricardo Lamas, not a guy we know of as a grappler, took him down five times. Joe Anderson, Britu, forgot to wrestle him for two rounds, remembered in the third round, won the third round, still lost the fight. Uh, yeah, I, I think as long as TJ Brown goes in with the right game plan here, this is his fight. So, yeah, give me the dog money on TJ Brown. Why is this line so crazy, Dan? I, I don't know. It. Dude, I, I think it's probably because I, I think Bill Algio gained a lot of fans in that fight with uh, Ricardo Lamas. He took it on short notice. He really got the crap beat out of him, but, like, in a way that, like, made him kind of endearing to fans because he, like, never quit. Um, Like the opposite of Chris Moutinho. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I think he's... Still riding on that goodwill and and less of the, on the good uh, good skill. Chris Martino catching stray shrapnel in as a bystander. All right, um, that is it for the prelims. We'll break. Uh, I will recap. It'll take a while because we're all on different fights here, different fighters. Uh, we we're both in on T.J. Brown though. We're both in on Matias Nicolau. We're both in on Zach Cummings. So we ended things up on the same page. Uh, I like Rodriguez. He likes Robertson. He likes Venata. I like Zell Huber. I didn't explain it very well why I did, but hopefully I will before I write about it. He's, uh, we both he's like, tall. Because he he's tall he's and tall. young. Um, we both like, it'll come through the watch. We both like the special one, Bruno Brazil, the brutalizer. Uh, he likes Phillips. I like Bolanos. I like Edwards. He likes Pudilova, right? That's correct. All right. And that is it for the prelims. We'll be back tomorrow with the main card. Uh Six fights, so it's going to be a, a longer episode as well. We got six fights breakdown, and then we're going to give you our locks, dogs. What else? Do we give you props, we give you parlays, we give you lots of fun stuff. Uh, get in the Discord. I told you that already. It's slash Discord. Lots of fun in there. Twitter is SGPNMMA. Gumby runs that account. I'm at Jeff Fox Writer. He's at Gumby Vreeland. He hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast. Uh, we already told you about that, and we told you he interviews. Do we tell him everyone that you interviewed this week? Uh, no. I don't I think, think so. We, I, I interviewed I interviewed uh, Bruno Brazil, yep. Dustin Jacoby, exactly. and Zach Cummins. Yes, Jacoby we did not talk about because he is on tomorrow's podcast. Um, we're breaking in his fight. All right, so listen to Top Turtle. Get that in your ears. Read all our stuff, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. 
and subscribe to my Discord, my Discord, my Substack, moneymma.substack.com. You get a email, MMA email from me pretty much every day, and you can enter my free pick'em contest while you're on there as well. That is all you need to know. As I said, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, until then, I will remain groovy. Jeff Fox, my co-host, of course, the Golden Boy, Daniel Gumby, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.